Welcome to Flight Plans, the official podcast of the SAE Aero Design Series. Hey guys, welcome back to Flight Plans. We're talking aero design. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're talking about all those little bits that uh, you need to make sure you have straight going into the competition this year. It may be just the end, beginning of the year, depending on when you're catching this. But uh, it's just a couple months away, and uh, it's good to make sure you have all your ducks in a row. I'm Mike Sorg, podcast and video producer, here with the SAE Collegiate Design Series. And I have with me on the podcast, Sam Burrell is with us, University Programs Manager at SAE. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good day. And Sarah Guffey, the University Programs Coordinator with SAE. Hi, everybody. Of course, maybe voices, names you've seen on email or or in person at competitions if it's not your first uh, uh, round at this. But uh, looking forward to going through everything coming up this season. First of all, I guess the big thing, a, a lot of you probably already experienced registration, which is a first time this year, uh, the way that uh, registration has gone down. Um, so uh, what what so so how did do new registration go and what more should we be concerned with it? I thought it went pretty well. Um, we changed and adjusted our registration system uh, CDS-wide, Collegiate Design Series-wide, and uh, it had at one time allowed teams to register for, say, at this at this point, both aero design events at the same time. Um, our goal, our vision, and SAE's mission was to get as many different teams as possible to participate in these events. If you've been familiar with these events, they've sold out in a matter of minutes. And there were a number of teams, a good amount of teams, that did not or could not register for any event. So we did have a delay system of about two weeks, I think, um, where a team could register for one of the two east or west. And then as the uh, event progressed two weeks later, if you wanted to and were able to um, register for the second event. And so it worked out across the board very, very well. Uh, Yeah, I definitely think it worked out extremely well. In the past, we've had, um, particularly with aero design, we've had a lot of teams, a lot of universities hurry up and grab as many slots as possible. And if you're familiar, which I'm sure you are, there's three classes for each aero design event. So one university is basically logging on and grabbing six slots, even though they only, you know, intended to participate with one or two teams at one event. So it became a little bit of an administrative headache on the back end for uh, myself and others. But it, it definitely sped up the process of, of that, and we got which events you guys were actually seriously wanting to participate in and definitely shaved off a little bit of that headache. So we thank you for it, embracing the new system as, as great as you did, and we got some really good feedback, and we're happy with it. So. Yeah, I think it's you know, important to point out and that more efficiently serves you guys out there by mm-hmm. by taking away all that extra uh, uh, work that needs to be done. We can worry about what needs to be done for the competition to help you guys out. Right. Instead of sifting through a couple weeks worth of, you know, fixing (laughs) (laughs) or sorting out duplicates or, cause that's another thing with the old registration system. Um, so many of you were trying all at once to push that button at the same time that it's basically, the buttons work works as a funnel and you're trying to funnel all those teams through there and, it was just 
too much. So definitely it made it more efficient on many levels and cut back on potential duplicate team uh, registrations that we sometimes get with all of you pushing the button at the same exact second. So Now you guys are in. If you're listening to the podcast, you're probably registered for your your competition of choice this year. Uh, so what's next? What should people be digging into? If you haven't yet, you should be reading the rules. Um, and there is uh, some new changes in the rules this year for aero design, uh, one of which being the update to the regular class um, specifications i guess yeah sam you want to talk yeah i can yeah i can i can let you know that um uh we've got the micro the regular and the advanced class as sarah had mentioned the uh the micro and advanced class were in their uh, second and third respectively um cycles there has been and if you are an advanced class or micro class team please read the rules as sarah has recommended there are updates. There are some fine-tuning things. There are certainly some things within advanced class that you'll need to know, um, including your frequency uh, application, if you will. So and we'll deal with that in a little bit. But the regular class was in its final year, and we have updated and modified that. Um, if you remember in the past, it was a 200-foot takeoff, and it was basically a passengers using tennis balls. For 2020, they have completely revamped that class. It will now be uh, akin to a bush plane where you have a limited runway and you will have an oversized cargo, Um, not only weight, but you'll be, uh, as before, you'll have uh, cargo. And uh, specifically, this cargo will be your, your, your ballast, your weights, if you will, but it will be soccer balls. A official size soccer ball, I believe it's number five soccer ball. You can check the rules, but that should bring some interesting designs and interesting um, flight plans, as as you will. So some, some interesting visuals. Too. Yeah, um, <laughs> there there has already been a number a number of teams asking questions, and uh, that's the, that's the case. The regular class will become a bush plane. It will become one hundred foot takeoff. That's very limited on takeoff distance, and it becomes now. Um, how you want to design your plane around a soccer ball. <laughs> well, it should make for some uh, good pictures, at least, for sure. <laughs> so um, that that kind of brings me to the next point of reading the rules, um, is w- where you can find the rules. Um, Mike, do you know where you can find the rules? <laughs> Ooh, put them on a spot. <laughs> no, it's okay if you don't. That's my point. I want to... <laughs> Pressure. That's okay. I didn't write it on the outline. It's not on my sheet, is it? <laughs> no. Well, you can find the rules at um, – it's on series resources, which is a tab at saerodesign.com. Um, you can also find it by navigating to saerodesign.com forward slash go forward slash downloads. Um, and there's also a series resources tab on your app. So what that does is um, – Series resources houses not only the rules, but all kinds of important information that you uh, may or may not want to read. You really should read it. (laughs) You need to be going through all that stuff, really, with a fine-tooth comb. And that's your one-stop shop for all of the important documents that you'll need throughout the year. So as we get into 
the season and getting close to the event, I know there's a lot of uh, updates that happen throughout, whether it be through this podcast or through other documents or, or updates. Uh, where do I find that kind of news? So you you can find the news um, also at saerodesign.com. It's, there's a news tab, just like there's a series resources tab, and that's where we post all of the important information. Basically, anything and everything. You go on there right now. I know we have a post about launching our AeroConnect competition. Um, there's all kinds of stuff on there, from marketing pieces to sharing videos that we've done to sharing important changes to tech sheets or event times, all, all kinds of stuff. It's where we post literally everything. Um, if you only go to one place to find your news, that's where you should be going. When things are posted on there, they are also posted to the app. Um, it's a one source type thing. As soon as I post it on the news feed, it also goes there. So, um, you can definitely access that news feed through the app as well. Um, We'll talk about the app in more detail a little bit later, but um, additional places you can find news are our social media channels like Facebook. Um, You know, you're listening to the podcast right now. The podcast is a great resource. We post YouTube videos from time to time, but another important thing that we do um, monthly is send out a monthly newsletter through email, and you'll get that that newsletter every month so long as you are affiliated to your team and added to your team's roster at sae.org. I'll go into affiliations and fast track rosters and everything like that a little bit more later, but it's important to know and to inform your teammates that it's important to get onto the roster now and to complete your roster now so that as many people as possible on your team are getting information as early as possible. So. Yep. And one, one of the things I guess we, we probably failed to mention, but we'll, I will add them right now is that, uh, you know, there, there are two events. There's an East and West event. The West event this year is in Fort Worth. Uh, it is the first weekend in April. Uh, our first event of the year, Arrow East, would be the first weekend in March. Um, they are in uh, Fort Worth and in Lakeland, Florida, I guess we might have, if you're a registered team, you probably know that already. Uh, but if you're not and you want to know a little bit about it, those are considered the East and West events. For 2021, those you were who were unable to get into an event, uh, if you will, we will have Florida and Lakeland again next year as the East event. But we, we will be moving back to Van Nuys, California for 2021. So just a little bit of background there to make sure everybody is up to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. We rotate every um, two years. So it's definitely, if you're unfamiliar, we move around. Cycle. (laughs) There there are three sites, and we give uh, the organizers a break uh, every two years. They get a year off, then we go back to them. So Lockheed Martin, who's been a great supporter, uh, has continued to support us, and we go uh, to their sites and and close to their plant facilities. Speaking of those sites and those events, uh, we got to pay attention to the deadlines for each of those events, too. So where can I find those deadlines to make sure I'm on task? You can find the deadlines on SAE.org. You'll actually find them in the same place where you went to register your team back in October. Um, If you navigate to one of the event site 
uh, pages at SAE.org. For example, SAE Design West, you go to attend the attend tab, student events, click Aero Design West. And when you get there, um, you'll see a couple tabs at the top that say overview, attend, sponsor, teams, awards results, profile contact. Uh, you will find the deadlines under the attend tab. Once you click there, you'll see action deadlines, and uh, it's all listed out there, the team registration deadlines, which already opened and closed. But then you'll see design reports, 2D drawings, tech data sheet, um, which those deadlines for submission are all the same for West and all the same for East. And then you'll also see that fast track roster affiliation deadline, which is two weeks out from competition. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit, but that's where you'll find all your important um, action deadlines. And then on that same page, you'll notice to the right, there's uh, submission procedures where it actually goes in detail about the differences between SAE.org and SAEerodesign.com. SAE.org is the website that you're on looking at the, the action deadlines, but SAEerodesign.com is the website where you find the rules, the series resources, news, but that's also where you'll go to actually submit the documents, such as your design report, your 2D drawing, your tech data sheet. So um, it talks a little bit there about the submission procedures and the differences there. So that's definitely helpful. Um, make sure you're looking over everything when you're on there because it's a little bit it can be a little bit tricky with having two different websites to do different things on. So tell me about the document submission process, if I want to submit that uh, before the deadlines or, or what that kind of deadline process is. Like I mentioned a little bit ago, you submit the actual documents on saeerodesign.com. But in order to do that, it, it never fails that, you know, a day or even a couple hours before the submission deadline uh, we get teams emailing saying, "I when I go to saeerodesign.com, I don't see anything. I don't see the submissions page. And it's because they haven't set themselves up an account yet. Or they've set themselves up an account, but they haven't actually affiliated themselves to a university or to their team yet on saeerodesign.com. So um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the um, submission policy, but... There's a submission window. The deadline is the first day of submission, and then you have five days to submit. But each day you submit after that initial deadline, you uh, uh, get penalty points. So it's for Aero Design, it is um, five points per day. So if you wait until the last day, you acquire all those penalty points. So you definitely want to avoid that. Um, and like I said, it never fails. We have somebody emailing at 11 o'clock at night saying, oh, you know, I have my stuff to submit, but I can't find the submission area. And unfortunately, if you wait until the last minute like that, you're, you're going to acquire some penalty points because you're not going to be able to submit it until that next day when we've had a chance to actually help you solve your problem. So... To kind of <laughs> circle back, it's a good idea now to go into saerodesign.com, and if you don't have an account set up, set up an account. And after you set up an account, you'll see up at the top um, along where it says home, news, uh, series resources, all of that, you'll see add an affiliation. 
that's where you'll go and you'll click your university and then you will find your team name on there. Um, if you already have someone on your team that is a team captain, an email gets generated to them to accept you onto their team. This is done for your protection and your team's um, privacy and security. Uh, we don't want, you know, just any team to be able to go in there and say, yep, I'm a member of North Carolina a and I'm a member of the Aggies team. Let me go in here and putz around with your document submissions or be able to access any of your team information. So we work that in there where you have to add yourself and then it, it pops an email over to your captain to add you on. Um, and if you don't have a captain on your roster – then what you need to do is add a captain. And in order to do that, to verify that you're from the correct team, you will provide, I believe it calls it a confirmation number. I forget what it calls it exactly, but it asks you to provide a number. And that is your invoice number from your registration. So um, that's where you'll put that in there. And then you will be tied to your team. Once you're tied to your team, when you log in, to saerodesign.com, you will be faced with um, a screen where it has that you're a team member or a team captain. If you're a team captain, it'll show my team members approve team member requests. If you're a team member, it will show my team's report and document submissions, ask a rules question, search FAQs, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and that document submission section is where you're going to go to actually physically submit your 2D drawings and your design report and your tech data sheet. You will literally click. There's little icons. There's a not submitted icon. You could click right next to that 2D drawings not submitted icon under east or west, wherever you're registered for, and it'll take you through the process to upload it. But all that long ramble is basically me telling you to get on top of it now and set up your account now so that you don't get a day or two of penalty points because you were not prepared. On top of knowing the penalties and the deadlines, you know, how are uh, the document submissions kind of processed, you know, as far as the how they're graded, mm-hmm. you know, how the comments work? Like what, are, what should people expect in that when they're kind of putting these together? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. So a lot of times the uh, reviewers or the judges will comment back if they need more information. And I believe it generates an email to them, uh, letting them, letting the team know that there's a comment on there or, or something. Um, there's also a process, which I didn't even think to bring up. If, if you don't turn in your submission, you get an email from me <laughs> prompting you, hey, you didn't turn this in. So if Sarah you, will come find yeah, you. Yeah, I come looking. So <laughs> if after five days your team didn't submit anything, you guys get canceled. And we always have people day six coming and being sad and, and looking for excuses or help or whatever but you always get at least one warning from me ahead of time. Sometimes I give more than one warning if I have enough time, but you always get at least one warning before you're canceled. And usually you get notice that you're being canceled before you actually get canceled too. So um, that's that process. But in terms of the process with the actual document reviewers, the judges, the you know 
rules committee that's that's viewing your stuff, oftentimes there will be feedback and comments that go back and forth within your submission where you can actually interact with them if you have questions or if they have questions. So it's pretty neat. Touching real quick on what Sarah said, that, that's really an important part. Uh, one of the main things, and and we send out surveys. If you haven't gotten one of our surveys at the end of the season, you will. And uh, please, we take it seriously. The feedback that we get um, from these surveys goes a long way into changing and adjusting and, and improving the event. But the same goes true for your design report, your your written reports, that the judges know that you want the feedback. You have told us that you want feedback based on your report so that you can improve down the road. And so um, please take everything the judges send you uh, seriously. If you do have questions or you want, say, feedback early, I'll segue into uh, sending a rules question in. And uh, Sarah had mentioned the SAE aerodesign.com page um, across the top there. You will see an icon that says ask a rules question. It should be within your uh, uh, profile page. That is an area where, and this is important to note, you can ask the judges a private question. Um, the question will not be sent to any other team, but it is a question where if you come up with a unique design, something innovative, uh, and are concerned about whether it's legal or not, this is the place to ask it. If there's general questions that you don't understand, you can send the, the rule committee, and, and I'm part of that rule committee. Sarah, I believe, gets those rules as well, or they get forwarded to us when they are applicable towards us, if, if it's a registration question or things of that nature. But they will answer your question. Um, they will then, uh, I believe, we're actually working on it now, I think today or tomorrow, um, probably next week, we may have a frequently asked questions category that is coming from our rules committee uh, where they might gather a bunch of the rules, and if it's a common question, they'll ask it. But but if you want that feedback early and you don't want to wait to that written report where it's too late because you've already designed your plane – and you have something you want to ask, please use that uh, use that mechanism. It's a great resource where you can get the voice, get the uh, answers from the rules committee, and it's gone a long way into improving your designs long before it's time to take flight. Keep in mind, too, when you're asking rules questions that you're asking a rules question to um, a volunteer that is taking time out of their personal lives to answer these questions for you. Almost all of the volunteers that you come into contact with throughout the competition before you get to the site and at the site are uh, full-time employees somewhere, oftentimes at Lockheed Martin or Boeing or wherever. But point is, is that they have full-time jobs, they have families, they have personal lives and you, you can't expect to submit a question and get an answer back right away. I think a lot of times teams wait until the last minute to ask their questions and then they get frustrated when they don't get an immediate answer because they need an immediate answer at that point. But um, definitely take that into account when you're asking these questions. Be patient with it. And of course, uh, one of the things when we get on location and into the event that helps smooth that process is the fast track roster. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
So the Fast Track roster is something that lives on SAE.org. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we know it can be confusing operating with two different websites with SAE.org and SAE Design. But SAE.org, the two most important things that you do there are register your team and then also complete your Fast Track roster. Now, it's very important that you complete the Fast Track roster because it acts as our liability waiver, but it also captures important information like um, whether or not you have security clearances, which is important to a lot of our sponsors, uh, whether or not you want to receive emails such as our news, our monthly newsletter. It captures t-shirt sizes, emergency contact information, all kinds of stuff like that. So it's important that you fill it out because we use those numbers. Um, the reason we have the deadline two weeks out before competition is because we use those numbers to uh, estimate how much food we're going to need to order if there are lunches provided. Uh, we use that number to um, order last-minute T-shirts if we need to add some more. Um, we also use that number to plan for all sorts of things, really. But So, so you're going to be filling out your Fast Track roster at SAE.org. Basically, you put every single person that's on your team, not only the ones that are coming to competition, but the ones that are staying at home, too. We want to capture those those people as well because sponsors want to know who, who they are. You know, you have a team of 25 people. You're only bringing 10 people. Well, there's still 15 people at home that put in time and effort that sponsors may be interested in hiring. So it's important so that you can get your information out there and network yourselves. But you fill it out. Um, how you add somebody to the roster is uh, by adding their SAE number. And then you fill out all the important information on there, like I was saying, emergency contact information, stuff like that. And once everybody on your roster is, you know, everybody on your team is on your roster, you will print that roster, which is very, very important. That seems to be a step that is always missed. You print the roster Everybody signs it, and then you bring that with you to on-site registration. Um, it's important to note that if you miss that deadline two weeks out, then you are liable to not get lunches on-site because you weren't included in the count, and you also won't get the giveaway items right away. We wait until after all the teams have registered to give you whatever's left because we're rewarding the teams that followed the directions and submitted, you know, completed their roster prior to the deadline. And of course that includes the sought after t-shirts by SolidWorks. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Which I saw them today, actually. Oh, I yeah? saw proofs of them and they're a little bit different this year. Instead of just having one plane on them, um, the blue blueprint type uh, plane, we have all three. We have the top finisher of each class is on the t-shirts this year so oh, it's can't pretty wait to cool. see that uh so speaking of things at the competition tell us a little bit more again we're a few months out but you know the typical things people can expect when you get on site i can touch a little bit on that when uh, sarah had mentioned printing and following directions a couple new things that will be um, instituted this year. And, and this is very important. If you've listened this far, then you're ahead of the game because one of the most important things you can do on site needs to be done prior to 
showing up on site, including printing your fast track roster. You will now be required to bring your technical inspection check sheet to the event. Um, this is a new thing for Aero Design. Almost every other CDS event does this. Teams are required to not only print that technical inspection check sheet out for their class, obviously, um, they are to go through it prior to showing up on site. There are check marks that you are able to go through that numbered check sh checklist, whatever it may be, whether it's the length width, height of your plane, whether it's your landing gear, whether it's the servos, there is an area where the team captain or a group of members need to go through it, check it off. It needs to be then printed out and brought to the event. Um, that's new. Normally in the past, we've had all the check, all the technical inspection checks, check sheets available. We found out that if they have them there and the team has gone through their own plane and checked it out, it makes a lot more sense. And the technical inspectors have a lot less to go through when things have already been checked off, including the team figuring out, oh, wait a minute, what does this mean? Or, hey, I didn't realize we didn't do this. We need to do this. There's been so many times where I've talked to technical inspectors on site and they're like, the team didn't even realize they had to do this, and yet it was on the check sheet. So if you're an advanced, regular, or micro-class team, please print out that check sheet, that technical inspection check sheet. I think there are about three or four pages per class. If you want to make more than one copy, it certainly would, would be a good idea. But bring it there, go through it, and bring it to the tech inspection uh, table when you are called. The other important item is I believe we talked with the rules committee for aero design, and we're limiting the number of team members that can be at the tech inspection table. And I believe it's four. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we are not allowing. A, it's just got too crazy when we've got 20 or 30 team members around a table. Um, we have limited amount in our ballrooms. We have limited amount at sites. And this also follows along all of our other CDS events. Teams are limited to the number of members they can have, can have at the technical inspection uh, table. And I believe we're looking at four for aero design. So those are two very important things you need to remember. Uh, bring your technical inspection checklist sheet there and please limit the number of team members that are available and can accommodate the table at your tech inspection area. Yeah, walking through that tech sheet ahead of time is going to be nothing but beneficial for you and your team. So what about uh, the oral presentations at uh, aero? Uh, what, what should people expect there? The oral presentations, and uh, as we have said over, you want to read the rules, understand what the oral presentations are, are, are the objective of that, Yeah, what their judges are expecting. I believe you can and are required to bring your vehicle, your plane, to the, uh, to the oral presentation. And if you go through the rules, you will see that you have to present your plane and your product, if you will, to... Uh, to a set of judges that will then obviously judge your reports. And the, the oral presentation guidelines and the oral presentation rubric will be uh, posted probably after the first of the year. The judges are still going through it. They're making some fine-tuning, and so you'll be available to see what they're judging you on and the available points for each, each category. So, Sam, I know um, each year it seems like we have – students come up and talk about how 
one of the three, what, there's three? Three or four judges yeah. per table, per per room, yes. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. How usually <laughs> teams come up and say, oh, we got graded really, really high and awesome from two or three of our judges, and this one judge was just a jerk, or this judge judged us hard or difficult. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, that's she has to put me on the spot here. Yeah, what, yeah. What, well, it's a good one. It's yeah, always it's, that. And, and, <laughs> it's a common one. And there's, there, there really, I mean, you know, there really is no good answer. Um, we do normalize the scores because they're different rooms. We understand that, but in general, there's not a lot we can do about it. You certainly can find the judge, uh, you know, if he's around. Or you can come to me. I, I, you know, one of the things you'll hear, and I'll say it now, it'll be the first for the 2020 season. I am the complaint department. Um, don't go to our volunteers. Don't go to somebody who's given up their weekends and worked for, uh, you know, 12 hours straight on Friday and Saturday night. You will certainly want to see me. Not that I'm going to give you an answer that you're going to not necessarily like, but it'll be an honest answer. And the honest answer is you're going to find judges that key on certain aspects, and you're going to find judges that key on other aspects. Uh, if you do a good job on one and not a good job on the other, and that just happens to be his hot point, you may or may not get uh, you know, a high score or high as you think. Uh, you know, life is certainly subjective. This is one of the more subjective events as far as the oil presentations we do. Um, you know, what you want to do is do as well as you can in all aspects of the oral presentation. And, of course, those last two days, the flight line, uh, what should we expect there as far as that process? The flight line procedures. For, for the flight line procedures on site on Saturday and Sunday, there will be uh, obviously volunteers directing you to the flight line. You will take your plane, uh, bring it to the flight line. You will be given a timed uh, amount for takeoff. You must lift off, depending on the class, a certain time limit. Um, you will make a you you will make your your course 360 degrees. If you are advanced class, you will have the opportunity to tell us exactly upwind or downwind that you will be releasing your autonomous gliders. Um, and we will have rounds, and, and we're going through that again, but we will probably call micro, regular, and advanced, and we will keep going all day long, weather permitting, and uh, maybe three rounds, maybe two rounds, maybe four rounds. It all depends on how many uh, uh, planes are in each class and how long we're going to go. We will probably go to about five o'clock on Saturday. And I think at one o'clock, we've extended it one more hour on Sunday. But the procedures will include you getting in line, getting ready, having a limited again, I believe it's only the pilot and one other person for the flight line for regular and for advanced. And for micro, it's the same. You've only got one person coming up to the line that will be able to toss the aircraft. So a couple things I want to add to that is uh, whenever you come to the um, actual flying field, uh, you will get a, is it one table or two, Sam, typically? I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> You're talking about the, the paddocking. Yes, one table and two chairs per team. Yeah, so that's typically under a tent. Um, so you have area to work on uh, your plane and everything. You want to be mindful of weather. I know particularly in Texas a couple years ago, we had some rain, so we had a lot of kids 
tying uh, garbage bags around their feet because it got a little muddy because the um, area that you work, it's tented, but it's also grass. So, um, and if anybody's familiar with Texas, uh, it, when it rains, it rains, doesn't last too long, but it usually f- floods a little. So, <laughs> um, you want to keep that in mind. Sam touched a little bit about the rounds. Um, we will have an announcer typically at each location and the announcer will announce as we're prepping for each round. So he'll say, you know, uh, last call for whatever the round is, and uh, it's time for Micro to go pick up their cards or, you know, whatever class it is. And when I say cards, I'm talking about the flight cards where you we record your actual scores, whether or not it was successful or not, whether or not there was a crash. Um, if there is a crash, we give you crash inspection forms, Um So there might be a little bit of a new process for that, specifically the crash inspection forms. We're trying to automate uh, some of these things so that it's available in the SAE STARS app, but that is uh, still being developed to my knowledge. But basically that announcer is going to be the the person that's guiding the day. And you want to make sure that you're listening because we announce all kinds of things. If a team didn't return their their flight card, if... uh, a team's missing something or whatever it may be, that announcer is really key. Um, so basically you come, you paddock or you get your table in the tent, you come get your flight card, you take it to the line, you wait in line, you hand your flight card to the steward, you do your, your flight round, and then your steward brings the card back to the scoring table and the scoring um, team inputs it into the system. So once you're done flying, you shouldn't be touching that scorecard again. Um, And that's pretty much the gist of it. We just get in as many rounds as we can until the day's over on Saturday and then do it again and as many as we can for Sunday. So that should give you a pretty good idea of what to expect there. All right. You're there. You're uh, uh, part of the competition, but also you're surrounded by uh, sponsors and people that want to hire you that you should be keeping an eye out for too, right? Yes, that's correct. They will be, you know, these events, uh, along with our incredible volunteer group that works day and night to make these events happen, they certainly would not happen without the support of all of our sponsors, uh, like Keith Martin and some of the other SolidWorks you've heard about who, who totally gives all of CDS students, 10,000 students, shirts uh, throughout the season. But yes, the sponsors will be there on site. Some of them will have tables. Some of them will be walking around asking questions. They will certainly want to see you. And one of the recommendations is always bring resumes. Bring an updated resume. You will not be uh, surprised by that if stu- if a sponsor asks you or talks to you and decides, hey, why don't you, uh, you know, you had a resume to submit, please let me, you know, let me have it. Um, they will be there and they will be supporting the event and looking for you possibly to hire, possibly for internships. I know that uh, our our host sponsor, Lockheed Martin, is probably looking in the thousands for uh, hiring individuals out of these competitions. Yeah, and another uh, point to resumes is that a lot of times when we get to the spring, when we get to March and April, uh, Lockheed Martin particularly and some other, um, some of our other sponsors – they have a hiring cycle, and at that point, they're 
they're still looking, but it's important to start getting your resume polished up now to start uh, reaching out to these companies now. And one resource that we have for you that's fairly new is the sponsor portal. And that is available to you through saerodesign.com. So earlier when I was talking about logging into saerodesign.com and adding yourself to your team, um, you'll have that team member page you'll have or section. You'll have that team captain section if you're a cap- uh, captain. But off to the right, you'll see um, underneath where it says my team's competition. You'll also see, um, most likely you'll see a little Lockheed Martin logo. Um, but as we acquire and contract uh, additional sponsors for this season, you'll see that logo will change. It's basically just rolls with uh, the different sponsors. But that's how you can connect with them ahead of time. You'll click um, to get connected, and when you connect with the sponsor, um, you can actually upload your resume directly to them through saerodesign.com. And I know that our representatives from Lockheed are excited about this because this gives them more of an opportunity to get in contact with you guys earlier and actually hire uh, for jobs and, and internships in more in line with their hiring cycle. So definitely check that out. One, one of the more uh, uh, positive things I see at these events is how these teams work together. Um, the SAE Aero Design Competition probably has more international teams than any of our CDS events. And it surprises me how much not only they work with other people, but how all these international teams work together, including the U.S., including all of our North American teams. That is something that is very gratifying to me when I see, as an example, uh, UC Davis talking to the team from Poland uh, or the Poland team helping out another mm-hmm. team. That, they got a couple teams yeah, from so, Poland actually yeah, last yeah. year. I think. So, you know, that, that's very gratifying. Please be aware that that happens all the time. Uh, if you are a team, if you are a new team especially and you need assistance, please don't be afraid to ask other teams um, there. They will certainly accept or if they can't help you, they'll direct you to teams that will. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is across the board. I mean, I know there's some competitions where I hear the announcer saying, say, anybody need a screwdriver or something right. or, or this bit right. or this part? You and know? and that's, yeah. that's part of, you know, that's part of uh, all of these teams as far as shipping equipment. You want, you want to make sure that you ship as many or as much as you possibly can afford to ship, number one, but that you think you'll need, whether it's extra parts, whether it's extra balsa wood, whether it's another servo or two. But if you happen to not... Uh, ship that stuff or miss it. There are there are hobby stores obviously around, and they'll, they'll be on the website. You can go to different ones there. But there are teams there that that can help you, um, and they certainly will. And the judges are there as well. We've got our technical inspectors that'll give you some helpful hints. They're not someone that says go back and fix it, but not tell you what to do. They will certainly give you as much advice as they feel necessary for you to be successful. Our goal is to have successful planes right although it's a competition there's definitely um you know some community amongst teams and amongst the basically everybody there like sam said the rules committee sae sponsors students it's it's a really great situation yeah this is a learning activity in its basic form and of course uh the awards will be on site 
The awards will be on site uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, once flying is done, roughly 45 minutes to an hour from the last flight, there will be an award program that runs maybe an hour. And of course, uh, all everything you need to know leading into the event, and especially that weekend of the event, the app is going to be a great resource for you. Yes, for sure. The app is um, really going to be a key to success for you guys. We are aware that uh, international teams might not have access to data, but the app is still used leading up to the event. Um, so it, very shortly, you'll see uh, different notifications being pushed out to you guys throughout the, the year. I know I sent one out last week. I'll be sending one out next week. Anything that's important will get pushed out to you guys as a notification. But as I mentioned earlier, the news feed, we're constantly posting stuff. Not everything is a push notification. So there's tons of info that's being put out there constantly. And that's where you're going to find it. And it's also important to recognize that the app is a great communication tool on site. So it can go from anywhere from something simple as us letting you know that lunches are available or that um, a round is posted score-wise to something a little more serious like we have a weather situation and we're going to need to evacuate. And we have used it for this in the past um, for one of our Baja competitions. We've had uh, some tornado watches where we've had to evacuate sites and you know, you never really know what you're going to get with Texas weather, with Florida weather. It's, it's, you really don't know. Or even when we go back to California, there's the threat of, of fires lately. So you, you just don't know. And it's great to have and to have that, uh, the notifications on so that you can be fully informed and aware and as up to date and as informed as possible. And maybe a tip for international students, you know, have one member get that international data so at least like your team is informed and in the loop and becomes that contact person. Yes, for sure. I think that we've covered so much with Aero Design here. Looking forward to it. And of course, there will be uh, several other podcasts uh, leading up to the competition. Now, we'll dive a little more specifically into some of these topics and the specific competitions. Uh, uh, thank you, Sam and Sarah, for joining us here and diving into all the details. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Flight Plans, the SAE Aero Design Podcast. As always, we want to hear from you, so email aerodesign at sae.org. The show notes for this episode and all others can be found at aerodesign.fireside.fm. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next episode.